this is what I'm here for. And this is why I love this job so much. But at the same time, you know, kids are struggling. Anytime I can support teachers and help those kids, like that's worth doing. That time is time well spent. Um, and I think now more than ever, like, you know, we don't know what that looks like. So if there's an opportunity to help out or if there's something that comes around, like you got to take it. You got to take it because there aren't many supports right now to help teachers and help students. Hi, I'm Diane Sweeney, and I'm the author of The Essential Guide for Student-Centered Coaching and our new book, Student-Centered Coaching from a Distance. And I'm Brandon Lewis, and I'm an innovation and learning coach in Liberty, Missouri. And this is Student-Centered Coaching, the podcast, where we sit down with coaches and teachers to explore how they are supporting student learning. Our hope is that through sharing these stories, we can all grow together. We thought we would start this podcast by hearing from a teacher. In this episode, we will hear from Nikki, who teaches Spanish and AVID in Long Beach, California. And Nikki and I go way back. She and I traveled through Costa Rica 30 years ago and worked on learning our Spanish and going to the beach. And Nikki has been teaching elementary and high school levels ever since. And so Nikki, tell us a little bit about what you've experienced recently in your classroom. Hi, thank you for having me. Um, I think not so much unexpected, but I had no idea how I was going to get students to build relationships with each other and how I was going to build relationships with students because we know that's so important. You know, initially they don't wanna have their cameras on because they're very shy and awkward. So we had to do, you know, 10 times more get to know you activities than we did in the past and had to be very creative about it. Putting them into chat rooms, we all realized initially was just a waste of time because they just sat in their black boxes. So we had to think of creative, fun ways to get them to start to turn their cameras on, turn their microphones on, actually interact. And um, one day, and this was in my AVID class, we were doing something and one of the kids randomly, I caught my eye, something in the chat caught my eye and a student, a boy says, Ms. McDaniel, do you like, um, gosh, I can't remember what band it was. Do you like such and such a band? So I said, yes, I do. And then another kid came in and this kid, I can see he's got guitars and hanging on the wall. So I know he's a musician, really good kid, real smart. And he says, do you like Metallica? And I said, ooh, sorry, other student, I actually like Metallica more. And then it just started as a little banter between the two of them. And they kind of started testing me. Does she really like Metallica? What's your favorite song? What's your favorite album? And then I wanted to, initially I wanted to shut the chat down because that's not what we're doing right now. That's not on task. But then other kids started joining the chat and I realized this is the same way they would get to know each other if they were at a table in the classroom. And it didn't come from me. It's that we're finished with our work, we're chatting, we're waiting for the bell to ring. And I just, in everything I do, I have my plan. Sometimes it's really successful. Sometimes it completely blows up in my face. But those are the moments that I really have to just let go, sit back and watch it happen. 
because that's where um, it's, I think it's really helped them feel safe. And now at the end of class and all my classes, um, when I let them go, the cameras start coming on, they're waving, they're saying goodbye to each other in the chat and it's um, very heartwarming. And I always have tears in my eyes when I tell them, I can't wait to meet you guys in person. Um, so that's the relationship building is different. Um, and um, I never, every day is different and I never know what's gonna happen. So that's, that, that's what makes me keep coming back and worth the hours of hard work because it is, it is working. Those connections with kids are what we teach for sometimes. You know, being a high school teacher, content's important, but that those connections are what gets us up out of bed every day. If you had to give yourself a hashtag for this year, what would it be? Oh, you're killing me with that one. Okay, so <laughs> my little secret hashtag is pillar of positivity because I have to find the positive in everything, even when I'm in tears. Even when I'm stressed, when I wake up at three o'clock in the morning, worried about whatever, I'm a mother too. Um, I just have to find the positive and then I force myself to share those positive thoughts and people will often, if it's say that I'm, I'm struggling, I'll say that I'm struggling, admit it and let's have fun and talk about it and, and make the best of it and admit that we're drowning and let's turn it into a positive because if not, we're not going to make it. <laughs> Yes. We don't know. This does not seem like it's ending. So just have to find the positive in everything. Um, but also allow myself, you know, allow myself to have my pity party, um, share my struggles. Because when I do, I realize we're all having the same struggles and that allows us to get to the other side of it. Yes. Well, you're doing that. You're putting positivity out in the universe just by sharing in this conversation with us today. So we cannot thank you enough, Nikki, for letting us into your life as a teacher and helping us to remember really what matters most. I'm excited for our interview today. Uh, ben Scott is joining us from the state of Washington. And we are uh, just super pumped to learn with him today. Ben, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Brandon. It's great to be here. Uh, I heard a lot of great things about you before I did get to meet you for the first time as Diane and I were planning um, this first episode out. So uh, it's been good to get to know you. And I'm excited to dig into all the coaching that's going on with you um, and your district. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Yeah, I uh, teach in the great state of Washington down here in Southwest Washington. Um, I'm an instructional coach in the Battleground School District. I'm in my 21st year of teaching. Um, I started off in kindergarten, uh, spent most of my time in fifth grade, little stint in third grade. And then for the last four years, I've been an instructional coach in a K-4 school. Uh, can you, just to get us started so we can kind of like set the stage. Can you tell us right now, like during COVID times, what does it look like in Battleground right now? So, you know, back on what, March 13th, when like everything changed for us, we, you know, found out we weren't coming back last year. And so we kind of scrambled to get some kind of online teaching going. Um, this year, we started the year all remote again, um, with a, a clearer picture of what that could look like. Um, in November, 
kindergarten started back um, two hours in the morning and two hours in the afternoon. So two, two cohorts coming back. So that's where we are. We have kindergarten back, everyone else is remote. Um, and we don't know when that will necessarily change, but we're, we're prepping for some other classes to come back um, in some, some way soon, we hope. Out of, out of curiosity, how has that been going with kindergarten since they've been back? It's been going well. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's interesting to see, uh, you know, the, the teachers love having kids back in the classroom, you know, but everyone's nervous still. So it's a real mix of, you know, some teachers are very excited to be back and some teachers are, are nervous and wish that we could maybe stay remote. So there isn't like a unified, you know, one voice or one thought. Um, but it's been going pretty well. It's, it's very structured and they have all kinds of, of safety protocols in place. So you know, from that standpoint, it's been good. And it's just, it's just good to have kids back in schools. Yeah. I mean, we, we're in month four of being back here. And to be honest, it, um, it's still those same feelings every day, right? There's still mm -hmm. that nervousness or there's some teachers are scared every day, but again, they love being there with their kids. And I just, mm -hmm. I don't know. It's good to hear that kindergarten's back, especially for that young of an age. Um, yeah, that's really great. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your coaching background. So um, I started actually my first year of coaching. I was a halftime fifth grade teacher and a halftime coach in elementary. And it was miserable. It was terrible. <laughs> like <sounds> great. If, <laughs> right? If anybody's thinking like, hey, I should be a halftime coach and a halftime fifth grade teacher. I urge you to please don't do that. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's a great way to be a terrible coach and a terrible fifth grade teacher. So um, I did that and I realized in that year, like, oh, wow, this really didn't go well, but I really want it to go well. Like, this is a job I really want to do. Um, it took a couple of years to get then a full-time gig as a coach and a change of district. So I moved to a new district as a coach. Um, and it turns out like that was the fresh start I needed. Like that reset really helped me change my mindset. Um, it was just a big life changing, you know, moment where, um, it kind of put me in a, a role that I really liked. Like this was, this was what I wanted to do. And I, I didn't know that right away. So it took, you know, the last four years doing it to really like cement my mind, like what this can look like and the benefits of this that I can offer to kids. It's, it's huge and it, it's great work. So here I am in my fourth year uh, as a full-time coach and um, working through a pandemic. Yeah. How is, I mean, gosh, there's been so much back and forth and change in districts with the pandemic and in and out of school and virtual and not virtual and some kids virtual, others hybrid. How have you been keeping your momentum going as you've been trying to get traction as a coach? We've struggled, you know, for um, the beginning of the year, we were all a little nervous. Um, there's seven of the elementary coaches in our district and we were, we're a really tight cohort. And um, we didn't want to overwhelm teachers, right? The last thing we want to be is a pain in their butt. So we were really hands off, like, let us know if you need help. We're here to help. We're here to support you. And it was crickets. Really made us reflect on like, holy cow, like, so what are we going to do? Finally, one of the coaches said, you know what? Like in a regular year, we would have sent out an email saying, hey, coaching cycles are starting up. Like first three, get it. She's like, why aren't we doing that? And we didn't have any good answers. So we did it. We didn't really get a lot of like 
coaching cycles, like this well thought out plan, but we got a lot of people who were reaching out for help. And so what it turned into was just a lot of little supports we could offer, you know, across the school. So you've been kind of trying to get cycles going and trying to find opportunities to continue your work with teachers. So they're not alone in all of this either. I'm curious if you could share if there's any coaching practices specifically, like not even a cycle, but just some practices that you've found are, have been successful for you. Yeah. So we really had to um, kind of reset our vision of coaching, you know, over last year, we really clarified it with like coaching cycles. Teachers aren't in a place where they can really take on something like that. We don't really know how to support it very well. And so some of the practices that we'd kind of been trying to get away from all of a sudden seemed like, well, maybe those are more, more valuable now. Um, so we kind of went back to supporting teachers, however we could, whether it be, um, you know, initially a lot of technology support, these learning platforms they haven't used before, you know, they were working with classes every day and they learned how to use them much more efficiently than we do. So that didn't take hold for like long-term work. Um, but what did kind of come out was that the planning aspect of teaching, they really wanted some help with. When we kind of got into coaching, um, we were kind of hobbling ourselves by really focusing on modeling. And it, the idea was like, okay, I can come in and work with you and I can come in and model a lesson. It's gonna take like this off your plate. It's gonna be super easy for you. Like, I feel confident I can do that. And so that was like my move, right? I go in and I'd model and like sometimes like a week's worth of writing lessons. I'm like, we can do this. Like we can plan this unit. I'm gonna come and do the first week. You can watch. And it never led to anywhere great. And it would, wasn't until we started um, thinking about like coaching cycles being student-centered that we realized like, oh, wait a second. Like once you just watch me teach, like it means nothing to you. Like it's just me doing it. Um, so that's where like co-planning a unit or a lesson and then thinking about like, all right, we can do a lot of different moves. We can, can co-teach, we can, I can micro-model, but like what part are you gonna do? where teacher has buy-in, where the teacher is working with me on this, then we make progress. But if it's just like the Ben show in your classroom, like no one wants to see that. Like that's not beneficial long-term, right? Like, and so- Well, some people might've wanted to see it, but- <laughs> <laughs> It can be entertaining at times, but I don't think moving us towards, you know- I look at that model student learning. like, you're trying to put like that expert stamp on thing. And that just doesn't send the right message either when it comes to what, you want your relationship with teachers to be like, you want to be that co-learner with them. And when it's just model teaching, model teaching, like that's not going to happen. So the fact that you're digging in with them and you're getting into the co-planning and even those, those micro models, that's great too, but it's because it's something that they may have said, Hey, I want to see you do this, you know, in the moment. And I just think that's, there's a lot of value in that. Yeah, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because we spend the whole time in coaching saying we're not experts. Like we are not experts in this. But then I'm going to go and make you watch me for like an hour. Like, <laughs> right. You know, it's a, it, it doesn't make any sense. It is but a mixed it, message. <laughs> it's what we knew at the time. It was, you know, it was, it was with best intentions. But um, it's certainly like changing our actions and our moves moving forward has been really important in changing like our approach to coaching. So what other challenges have you been tackling? So 
trying to figure out, you know, what can we do to support teachers in making the tough choices they have to. Um, and there's a bunch of tools we've used for that. We've done a lot of work with the Teacher Clarity Playbook, really focusing on, you know, how can we inform kids as clearly as we can about what the learning is and how they can be successful. Um, and then also just looking at, you know, some of the priority standards, we, we can't teach them all. So what are the things they need to know before the next grade level? And those aren't great choices. Yeah, the planning work is turning out and co-planning specifically is turning out to be a great way to support teachers. You can still be student-centered in that and you can connect to your clarity work. And it's, uh, it's an opportunity to just think side by side with teachers. And I'm not surprised that coaching cycles were kind of crickets because it's that's a big um, structure to, to put into the current system that you have with, with the reality of COVID teaching. So um, that's a great little find that you came up with is to invest your time a little bit more in, in the co-planning side of things. You, Ben, are a man of a metaphor, and you have shared a metaphor in the past with us just about how it's like stoking a fire. Tell us a little bit more about that. I do appreciate a good metaphor. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I, I was thinking of our coaching as, um, you know, from, from last year, we were very focused. Like, the goal was like three coaching cycles at a time. In like four different periods so, so they were like three campfires right they they felt good they were warm they were going they were going strong we knew exactly how to feed those fires to keep them going well we don't have any campfires now right so when we reach out to teachers and we get a bunch of different little things to work on you know you say yes to everything you say yes to everything whereas last year i would have felt more confident saying oh like i'm really focused on coaching cycles so that doesn't really meet, you know, like I don't really have time for that. Now I don't have that luxury, right? I have to say yes to everything. And what's resulted in is like, instead of three good strong campfires, I have like 15 little smoldering piles of coals and they're all important. But each one requires like just enough oxygen, just enough fuel to keep smoldering too much of anything and it's going to go out, you know, if I'm offering too much or I'm too much you know in their ear they're not ready for it they don't want they don't want that coaching that, that coaching work to become a burden or if i don't attend to it um it'll just go away and you have to keep all those little tiny smoldering piles going because some or more of them will turn into campfires they will turn into the fires you need as a coach and that's you know that's what this all is about it's a, it's a little selfish like my need as a coach is to feel useful and to feel useful you want to be involved in classroom work with a teacher in a coaching cycle it's funny that you said feel useful because i feel like when everything first happened in the spring i had all these grand ideas and plans of how education was going to change for the good and i'm going to make something positive out of this and i had a hard time dealing with the fact that not everyone was ready for that you know, like emotionally, it was just, everyone was at a different place. And I really struggled the most with, like you said, useful. I just didn't feel like I was really needed that much, you know? And that was something that was really hard for me in the spring was just that feeling of 
I don't even know what I, you know, like. Oh, well, no, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Cause in the spring, like if we think back and maybe it's different in your district and our district, we had no idea what we were doing. Like everyone was scrambling to try to come up with a plan, you know, and one Friday we're in school and then we're supposed to be remote learning the next week. And so as teachers are really struggling to figure out what that means, like, where does it leave a coach? So, you know, like feeling useful. I remember when I, when I got this job, one of the questions in the interview was, how will you know you're a successful coach? And at the time I said something along the lines of like, well, I think teachers will, will, will value the work I do. You know, that, that answer would change now to that, you know, student learning is improving based on what right. I do. But that idea of being valued and being a part of the school, right? Like there's a very clear role for classroom teachers right now and they're struggling and it's hard. There isn't a clear role for, role for me. It feels weird not being, or not feeling as valuable as I, as, as I would like to. <laughs> What do you feel like your goals are for the next few months moving forward? Well, you know, so those initially when we sent out these emails, like inviting to coaching cycles, like it allowed us to connect with some teachers that were, you know, having some questions or struggling in some way. And it turns out like those conversations have like kept us going. Just very recently, I had a teacher contact me about, you know, wanting to, to start a full coaching cycle. I was like, okay, well, this is what it means. And she was in like her, her whole point was like, I, you know, we're going to be probably in this, in this teaching style for the rest of the year. And I am worried about my kids engagement. And so we're doing this whole coaching cycle on engagement. And it's really exciting. She was not ready to think about that in September. She was just trying to figure out like, how is this going to look, but she's been doing it now and she, through December. And she was like, I, we have to change. Something has to change. I think that's what we're, you know, here for. We're waiting to be here when people need us and to continue to offer that support and be ready to step in and help. <laughs> I'm so glad you shared that example because um, I, you're lighting up as you talk about doing the real work of coaching and having that opportunity and how we had to be kind of patient, but it's 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 building on itself. That fire is growing, and you kind of know what wood, what type of wood to put on it, and and that capacity is growing and what a great testament to your work and your relationships with with this particular teacher and i'm sure others you work a lot with your team too how are you guys collaborating just to get through this well we have we have weekly plc meetings um but beyond that you know we we're in contact throughout the whole week we are we're a really really close group um and you know we're all seeing the same struggles um and we don't love it right it, it, it feels it feels wrong to be kind of waiting to get busy and waiting, you know, so you fill your times like, all right, well, like what, what can I do? So you, you know, you help in trainings where you can, and you, you do the stuff that isn't the, like the root of what you want to be doing. And so that's what it's so, it is so exciting right now. Like to think about it. Okay. Like this is this, this is what I'm here for. And this is why I love this job so much, but at the same time, you know, kids are struggling. So even if it isn't like a, coaching cycle that you're doing anytime I can support teachers and help those kids like that's worth doing that time is time well spent um, and I think now more than ever like you know we don't know what that looks like so if there's an opportunity to help out or if there's something that comes around like you got to take it you got to take it because there aren't many supports right now to help teachers and help students I 100% agree with that and I and I feel like you're even at um, it's a, more of a challenge for you being virtual 
we're like, here I am in the building. I can physically see when a teacher has a need and I can try to step in and do it right then. Even like you're saying, it's something small, but they need it. So that's what we're going to do because we love them and we love kids. I can't imagine how much harder that is being 100% virtual like you are. It's it's interesting because it is very challenging. Um, not all the coaches are virtual. Some coaches go in the buildings. I have two young children who are not in school right now. So I need to be at home to help them learn as well as to do my job. The coaches that are in the building, they do. They they have stayed busier because they have those connections with the teachers that are in the building. Right now, we have the option of teaching from home or teaching from school. So it's it's a mix. Um, and like it's just our reality right now. So how can we, you know, stay connected with teachers when we're not in the building? You know, so we're we're working towards that end. You know, it just takes a lot of opportunities, a lot of invitation. I am I am big on like I'm all about solving like a problem, but I want it to be something that can last long term. And it's not like I don't want a solution for just a problem right now. Like I want it to be something that can be sustainable over time. So I'm kind of curious too, like does your team are you guys thinking about the future as well? So like, you're not just making changes for right now, but are you guys thinking about some sustainable changes that's going to still help with your coaching and improve student learning when this is all over and things are back to normal, whatever that looks like? Yeah, we hope so. You know, the, the right now, um, I'm doing quite a bit with engagement with some different teachers and we're another coach and our team up to do a class. And like, that is certainly something that's applicable in the classroom, right? Like how can we keep kids engaged? And I, I do hope that the tools that we're finding that are useful in instructing kids online, they can absolutely be used in the classroom, right? Um, and the same with the, with the planning. Like it is, planning right now is tricky because of the limited instructional time, but like focused on success criteria, focus on learning standards, focus on exactly, you know, like, communicating to students clearly what the expectations are and how they can succeed. Absolutely. That is like, you know, the work that we need to be doing in the schools also. So we try to, but you know, in the immediate now, it's like whatever we need, you know, to get through this week and get planned for next week. That's what we're focusing on too. So it's kind of a balance. Lots of folks we're working with are, are focusing on engagement, which is very interesting given the the different ways kids are engaging as students now, especially in a district that's mostly virtual. Anything else that kind of comes to mind as you think about working on that with teachers? Yeah, it's, you know, it, it's such a different environment. You know, in the classroom, we can control almost everything. We can't right now. So you have students in their home environments. There are a million things that can get their attention away from you. So you have to really sell it, right? That you have to make them want to be there. And it's just more challenging. One thing that I am worried about is that right now, uh, we're finding like, you know, a lot of students aren't completing assignments, they aren't turning in their asynchronous work. And so in a way, we've turned engagement into work completion. Like we want to get kids engaged by getting work turned in and like getting work turned in. Like, that's not the goal. Like getting kids learning, that's the goal. So how can we like engage students in the process enough? So like the work is being turned in because they value it, but really we're looking at the learning they're doing. You know, that's where, that's where our money is best spent. And so it's tough though, because if they aren't turning in work, you're not going to find out the learning. And so how do you like 
focus on all those things in these really challenging environments. So as you're thinking about engagement, you're really thinking about cognitive or intellectual engagement and not just behavioral engagement, which would be our kids turning in work on time, but coaching beyond that and into that learning space of how are they engaging cognitively is a whole nother level of support for teachers. Right. It's, you know, like if they could just get kids responding to them, turning in their work, that would be a huge step forward. And I, I want that also, but I also want the kids to really be engaged in what they're learning. I want them to take ownership of their learning. You know, I mean, we're looking at a year and a half possibly of students being in a remote setting. We can't give up a year and a half of progress. You know, one of the things that I, um, I do sometimes push teachers to think about is, you know, because you started something in September, there's no reason to ch not change it now. You know, I think that oftentimes teachers get invested in a learning platform or, or, or something and they realize after doing it for a few months, like, oh, this has limitations that I, I don't love, but they're afraid to add more to the parents' plates, to the family's plates, to the students, like we're gonna change it up. But boy, if it's not working, blow it up. Like we, we, we can't continue doing things that aren't effective and we can't be afraid to try new things. So it's like, yeah, it might be new and it might be more difficult to learn, but if it does a better job, it's worth it. It's worth it. So I, I definitely empathize with them, but I continue to be on their side saying, all right, we've got to move forward, though we have to try something. We have to try to get these kids engaged in the process and in learning. When you talk about blowing it up, I think back to when I was in the classroom and like that was something that was easy for me. This isn't working, pitch it. Let's come up with something different. And I know that that's probably more of a personality thing. Um, like it's a different type of learner who's okay taking those risks because it might not be as safe. So now as a coach, I feel like it's, it's almost nice. And I think about you, Ben, in these situations now, like maybe for those people who don't feel as comfortable doing that, you partnering alongside with them, letting them know they're not doing this alone could be such a huge, like, uh, it's kind of a safety net almost, you know, to where they don't feel like they're out there on that ledge all by themselves. You're right there with them, um, willing just to be there for them the whole time. That's just yeah, good coaching. That's just, that's what coaching is all about in a nutshell. Yeah, and, and I, I think there, I think there are lots of teachers who, you know, who want that in their heart of hearts, they like, they want all these things, but right now, so many are like barely holding on. You know, we have so many teachers with kids at home, young kids trying to teach, trying to manage that, trying to do all these, you know, no one, no one that I know got into teaching to be an online instructor, right? No one did. And so in addition to learning all these new processes, we're not getting like the emotional feedback that teachers need, right? It's, we're an emotional group and we, thrive off of those relationships and the relationships we're forming with students online right now, it doesn't meet that need. It's so it feels weird. It feels wrong. It's hard to do. We're doing all these new things. And then you have Ben asking you, Hey, is there anything we can, you know, try or do, do something new? And so it's like, I get it. I get that it's a big ask, but we just think back to those kids who, you know, are at home struggling. It's like, we, we owe it to them, like we owe it to them to do the best we can do. And we got to keep changing, you know, towards that end. We go through this every year with my principal, um, how, like, what can we do to expand coaching in our building? And so we think of 
the you know the people that I work with every year, like how can we expand that field? How can we open it up? So, um, so it's a continual process, and we're always thinking about because we want everybody to engage in the process, like being reflective and thinking about your craft as a teacher, and having someone to do that work with is a huge benefit. And so we want them to realize that an instructional coach isn't there to make your life miserable. Um, they're there as as a resource, and not every building has them. So, with one with one goal in mind, which is improving student learning. Right. Yeah. For sure. That's right. Something you said though, it honestly reminded me of one of my favorite George Kuros quotes. And I think it was, I think it was an innovator's mindset where he talked about how, like when it comes to being innovative, like you always want to go from point A to point B, you have to start from A to B, but everyone's A is in a different spot and everyone's B is in a different spot. So I think that's one of the challenging things too for us. Like how can we help every teacher move from A to B? Cause it is going to look different with what that jump's going to be like. So it's just, it's just, it's, it's interesting. And I love that you mm -hmm. have those conversations with your admin as well to help like troubleshoot some of those things too. Um, Cause while their relationship is different with the teacher, like as that evaluator compared to yours, um, they still have good insight that they can help with, you know, and offer you when it comes to that relationship with the teacher. Our district's very dedicated to coaching. And so with that in mind, you know, it's kind of my job as a coach to sell that also like the district's telling everyone coaching is very important. So it's up to me to show them that it is right. Um, and it's challenging, but it's, I mean, it's when it goes well, it's the greatest job in the world. Like I, I initially thought that this was like, uh, you know, I'll, I'll do some coaching for a while and then go into administration. That was kind of where I always thought, but that was because I got my administrative endorsement endorsement where there, there were no coaches. It was about 10 years ago and nobody had any instructional coaches around. So the only other like way that you could support a broader range of students was as admin. But now that I'm in this role, I'm just like, well, I never want to be a principal. Oh my gosh. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Help me. You got to help me buck the trend of coaching is just a stepping stone to being an admin because it's so much better. It's so much <laughs> better, right? Like I get to spend my day working with teachers you know, to help students. To all oh, admin out like, there listening, we apologize, but we do love our job. <laughs> it is, I mean, it is like, I, you know, I, I think back and I don't. And an admin having a coach like you to partner up is, is, is an amazing gift to them as well. Ben, I can't thank you enough for coming um, on the podcast today. And not only just, uh, helping us learn more about your current reality and just more about coaching in general, but being our first guest, we really appreciate this. Um, when it comes to the podcasting world, we're all learning together right now. Uh, so thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, I can't, Ben, I cannot thank you enough. You really put your heart into this work and it's so apparent through this conversation and you, you're just such a wholehearted person who's willing to put yourself out there. And that's what this podcast is about, is creating opportunities for us to find some kinship in our work and to name the real true struggles, not pretend we have it all figured out. And um, the kids in your school and the teachers are very lucky to have you. And so are we. Thanks. It's been great to be here. Um, and I certainly appreciate the support you've given our district and through the years. And um, best of luck with the podcast. I can't wait to uh, to hear all the episodes to come. 
Bye, Ben. Hey, thanks, Ben. Take care. Hey, take care. Bye. Student-Centered Coaching, the podcast, is brought to you by Diane Sweeney Consulting. For more information, visit dianesweeney.com. Music is brought to you by Clemency. You can check them out at clemencyonline.com. There you can find more information on how to download their music. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast where podcasts are found and follow us on Twitter at SC Coaching Pod.